Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Jesus said, the way is broad that leads to destruction and many are gonna go down that path. And the way is narrow that leads to life and few there are that find it. And there are people that will say whatever they can say to be able to distract you away from what the truth of the gospel is. One way. Those are two words many in this world do not like to hear. The Bible tells us there is only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus, the Messiah. This world is full of false teachers who will proclaim there are many other ways to heaven, which is why it is so important that we spread the truth of the gospel. Here is 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3, and more on how to spread the truth of the gospel and letting people know that Jesus loves them and longs for them to spend eternity with him. Here's Robert Furrow. Father, we want to thank you that we've been able to gather together here today and take communion. To commune with you, to commune with one another, to know that our sins have been forgiven, that you demonstrated your love for us, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us, that you are eager to forgive our sins. You're eager for us to come to you and confess and ask you to restore us. And you're so willing to do that. And we are so thankful. And as we take a look at 2 Peter chapter 2 and the false teachers that are among us, we pray that we would have an understanding as to why you gave us this passage and what it means to us and what we can do because there are false teachers in our midst. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I thought it would be good for us to kind of just take a look at the chapter before we get into it. If you've got your Bible open in front of you, just look at it. It's uh, 22 verses long. Second Peter chapter 2 is known as a difficult passage of the Bible to teach. Uh, none of the verses are short, and almost every one of them is packed with what could be controversy. I've noticed that pastors take this chapter in a couple of different ways. There are guys that, that just kind of like, like when you're in a truck and you come to mud on the road, you just figure, I'll give it some gas and I'll make it over it. So some guys just cover this in a large section. They just put their, their foot on the pedal and they go right over the top of it and they hope not to get bogged down at all. They just kind of hope to make it through. Some of them successfully do that. Most of them do not. At least at one point or another, they get bogged down. Other guys just try to crawl through the mud. They're just like got their truck and they're just going slow and they're going to cover every little bit that is there. The danger of that is that you could kind of lose sight of why Peter gave us this chapter of what he was saying. You can get so caught up in each detail that you lose what it is an analogy, the point that it's trying to make. So we're going to try to walk that fine line where we cover the chapter, but we keep in mind what the chapter is about. The chapter is about false teachers. It's the reason that first Peter chapter one talks about the word of God. The emphasis of chapter one is the word of God. It is our foundation. It is how we know that we are believing what is true because we are studying the scriptures that haven't been given by the will of men, but have been given by the spirit of God. And we have the more sure word of prophecy so that we can know whether or not we are believing and living and following after the truth. Verse one of chapter two starts off and says, but there were also false prophets among the people 
even as there will be false teachers among you. You might think that when Jesus would establish the church, as he said that he would, upon this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And behold, I give you the key to the kingdom. We've been given the keys to let people in and out of the kingdom of God. And you would think that he would not allow there to be a bunch of false teachers out there. But he allows, for whatever reason, the enemy to attack through false teachers by making a bunch of noise. So much noise that his hope is that you would be distracted away from what the real truth is. Jesus said, false prophets will arise and deceive many. Not only were there going to be false prophets, but he said in Matthew 24, I think it's verse 11, many false prophets are going to arise and deceive many. Not only are they going to be there, not only are they going to deceive, they're going to be effective at it. They're going to deceive a lot of people. And when we think about all of the cults that are out there, when we think of all the false teachings that there are, when we think of all the genuine churches that teach false doctrine and deceive people, there are a lot of them out there. If we just take the latest movement that hit the church, the emergent movement, which was kind of a movement, interestingly enough, back into a, a religiosity, back into a, a kind of a reflective, more of a reflective kind of an experience in worship, which is not a bad thing. I mean, if you have a relationship with Christ and you go to church and you want to you want to light a candle and you want to be more reflective in worship, that's not a bad thing. But along with that emergent movement came this kind of attitude of, yeah, we don't really know what the Bible says. We're just kind of learning it together. Everybody's going to heaven. Every, everybody's on their way to heaven. Uh, Rod Bell wrote Love Wins, which is a book on uh everybody going to heaven, that eventually everybody will get there. I guess kind of the purgatory idea, although I don't think he believed in purgatory, but that kind of idea that eventually you're all going to get there. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, the way is broad that leads to destruction and many are going to go down that path. And the way is narrow that leads to life and few there are that find it. And there are people that will say whatever they can say to be able to distract you away from what the truth of the gospel is, which is pretty powerful. The amazing grace of God, that he has forgiven you of your sins, that he loves lost people, that he wants to see them in eternity, that he sends us out as ministers of this tremendous, awesome gospel, that we would make a difference in the lives of people around us. And Satan is trying to fight against it in any way that he can. We're, we're told that, well, there were false prophets. You remember that Jeremiah told the children of Israel that if they didn't turn from their sins, that God was going to raise up an army from the north and he was going to bring them in against Israel. They were going to attack them and, and even kill them, even rape the women and kill their babies. And Jeremiah told them this through tears, telling them to repent, because if you don't, God's going to bring an army down against you. False prophets followed Jeremiah in the streets. And they mocked him. They made fun of him. They threw things at him. They had him arrested. They fought against him, telling the people of Israel, everything's okay. God only wants good for you. No bad things are going to happen to you. These prophets wander around saying, bad things, bad things, bad things. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. You know what happened? God raised up Nebuchadnezzar. 
God sent him to Israel and the temple was destroyed and God took the people captive for 70 years because they didn't listen to the true prophet of God, but they listened to the false prophets. Now we can go on. There were many other false prophets as there were prophets in the Old Testament. There are false prophets and there will be false teachers among you. There are those that teach falsely among us. There are those who do not stay true to the word of God. We know that there are many cults, but there are also those in the church that are false teachers. They're teaching for their own desires. They're teaching for their own covetousness. They're teaching for their own purposes. They're looking to draw people away to themselves. When Paul gathered together with the elders of Ephesus on the shore by Ephesus, he wept with them. And he said, I'm leaving and I know ravenous wolves are going to come in and devour you. And I know that men are going to rise up from within you that are going to draw people to themselves. Not only are there people outside of the church to deceive, but people rise up within the church to deceive. And again, they'll be effective. Now, if that's the case, then you and I need to have some discernment. We need to look into the scriptures. We need to have the word of God as our baseline. We can't just use our own discernment. Some of you guys are very discerning. You're, you're good at it. When you hear somebody, you go, eh, someday, right? I can't put my finger on it. They quote the Bible. Everything they seem to say is okay, but something ain't right. Some of you guys even have the gift of discernment given to you by the Holy Spirit. And some of you guys are not discerning at all. And it's just kind of the way we are. You're trusting. You believe people. And it's not a bad thing to trust. It's not a bad thing to believe in people. The Bible says love believes all things, bears all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And some of you guys want to bear with false teachers. You're like, oh, they're not so bad. They're okay. But remember, they're destructive and they are dangerous and they bring lies that separate people from God. And so we have to be able to make a stand and say, yes, we want to make sure that we're not labeling somebody as a false teacher when they're not a false teacher. But everybody's teaching ought to stand up to being scrutinized. And everybody ought to be willing to be scrutinized. And if you ever run into somebody that says this to you, don't come against God's anointed. I'm God's anointed. Don't you come against me. Don't you say anything bad against me. Don't say anything negative against me because you'll be talking against God's anointed. Then, you, you know, you got problems. God may very well protect his anointed, but the Bereans were more fair minded than the Thessalonians in that they received the word of God with all joy. But then they checked out to see if the things were so. They searched the scriptures with all diligence to see whether or not it was true. And you should check out what I'm saying when I give you passages or topics in the scripture or ideas. And if they don't seem biblical, then look them up and you ought to do it with everybody. And I don't mind when someone comes to me and says, I don't know if what you were saying about this is true. I don't mind because you're thinking things through. You're looking for what the scriptures say. The Bible isn't a matter of Robert Furrow's interpretation. The Bible is a matter of what God said and us finding out what it said. So when someone brings you something, a message that is different than what was brought to you, 
When was that said? Galatians chapter one. If somebody comes to you teaching anything different than what you've already heard, let them be accursed. If an angel even appears to you teaching something different than what you've already heard, let them be accursed. I like to quote Greg Laurie here. He says, if it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. We're going to find it in the pages of scripture. And so he says in verse one that there were also false prophets among the people as even there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. They do not stand up and say, I'm bringing you a false teaching. They do it secretly. The Bible says that Satan appears as an angel of light. How much more his ministers. You can't tell that someone is a false teacher by looking at them. They don't wear dark glasses every time they teach. Not since Jim Jones anyway, they don't do it. Before that, they might have done it. Jim Jones might have done it. But they don't put on the garb and the look of a false teacher. They put on the garb of someone who is genuine, someone who is sincere. They even quote scripture. They even misquote scripture. Don't forget that Satan knows the Bible and that he can misquote it. He did it to Jesus. He said, well, the Bible says that God will hold you up in all of your ways, lest you dash your foot against a stone or to hold you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. But he left out the part where it says in all of your ways. And Jesus said, it is also written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Satan quoted scripture. So just because somebody says, the Bible says, take time to look it up. Take time to look it up in its context and to see whether or not there's something in scripture that speaks against it. For example, there's the heresy that God wants you rich. The Bible says that in the last days, the church will pile up teachers who will tickle their ears. That means that we're going to like people who tell us God just wants you to have money. God wants good things for you. You're never going to have to struggle or suffer, or have any kind of difficulties. There's only going to be good things for you. God wants you rich. And you say, what a coincidence. I want to be rich. And God wants me rich. I like this. And they use a passage. They may quote, well, third, you know, third, third John, verse one, I think it's verse one or verse two, says that above all things, I would that you would prosper and be in good health. And you go, well, there it is. Above all things, above love, above uh, following after the Lord, above faithfulness, above purity, above all things. God wants us to prosper above everything. But then when you go back and read it in context, it's, it's John writing to his friend Gaius and it's his greeting. He says, my beloved Gaius, above all things, I would that you would prosper and be in good health. So it's John writing to a friend saying above everything else, I want you to prosper. It's like when you see somebody for a long time, you go, man, I hope things are well with you. I hope above everything that you're prospering and everything is good. It had nothing to do with him saying, God said above all things, I would that you would prosper. In fact, we learned before that God said above all things, you remember it, first Peter, above all things have a fervent love for one another. Above everything else, have a fervent love for one another not above everything, be rich. When I was 19 years old was the first time that I was exposed to that heresy. The guy said that God wanted me to have a Cadillac. I didn't really want a Cadillac. I was 19 years old, I didn't want one. Then he said, God wanted me to have a Corvette. And I said, bingo. <laughs> That's amazing. God wants me to have a Corvette because I want to have a Corvette too. God wanted me to live in a two-story house and God wanted me to be rich. I got in my Vega and I was driving home 
It's true. And on the way, I, uh, I started thinking, I mean, I was excited about it. Everybody was. Everybody in the church was excited. This guy was a dynamic speaker and it was exciting. But on the way home, I just felt like something wasn't right. You ever had that feeling? When I got home, I, I looked up 1 Timothy chapter 6. I think the Holy Spirit brought it to me. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring back the word to you. And I believe the Holy Spirit did. It says, if somebody's teaching godliness as a means of financial gain, get away from them. But godliness with contentment is great gain. When you and I are godly and we're content, oh, there's great gain to it. But those who teach godliness as a means of financial gain, get away from them. And so they can quote scripture. And there's many more scriptures that they quote. I mean, I've heard that on that particular teaching that God wants you rich. Well, look, if you invite Jesus into your life, you're going to get gold. Look what happened to Mary and Joseph. As soon as Jesus was born, they had Jesus and wise men brought him gold, brought him, brought him gifts. As soon as you get Jesus in your life, people are going to give you gold. I mean, I've heard it all misused, misquoted. Paul prayed that the thorn in the flesh would be removed. And God said, my grace is sufficient to you. Anybody who reads it, it's evident that God is saying the thorn is going to remain in your flesh and my grace is going to be sufficient for you. They twist that scripture and they say, well, God said my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, Peter, why are you asking me to get rid of the thorn in your flesh? I've already given you the grace that you need to overcome it. That's what they say it says. It's not what it says. He was saying that God had given him that thorn in the flesh so that he would be humble, lest he would be puffed up in the position that God had given him. And so there's a misquoting of scripture and we need to be careful. Just because somebody quotes the Bible doesn't mean they're a true teacher. They secretly bring destructive heresies. Why are they destructive? Because they're, they're blocking people from the truth. The gospel of Jesus Christ, I've already said this, is so amazing that people, when they hear it, would come to Christ. But they want to get in the way. Satan wants to get in the way so that you are no longer effective at bringing that truth. And there, there are people, and imagine the individual who stands in the way maybe because of their own covetousness, maybe because of their desire for power in a certain organization and teaches a doctrine that deceives people and stops them from entering into heaven. Imagine the destruction that that individual will receive. I heard Chuck Smith say on many, many occasions, I wouldn't want to be the false teacher in the day of judgment. And we would often name them by names. He would often give the name of the false teacher and then say, I wouldn't want to be this guy on the day of judgment. Look what it says in the rest of verse one. It says they secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Now, some people teach heresies for 30 and 40 years. They aren't destroyed. But God's saying the destruction is on the way. And when it happens, it will be swift. Remember to God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. If there's anything God is, it is patient. Don't think because God doesn't move right away that you're okay. Someone says, I've been teaching uh, heresies for 20 years and it hasn't, and God hasn't struck me dead yet. Well, don't count on that because God's gracious and God's good. And God may be giving you room to repent because even a heretic could repent and find Christ and turn to him. And note that it says that it even, they even deny the Lord. It says, uh, secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them. One of the things about false teachers is that they even come to the point. It doesn't mean they all deny the Lord. It means they'll even come to the point of denying Jesus. I think of the, the Mormon church. They want to be called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints now. 
And they've gone on a campaign as of late to put out as much teaching as they can about what they believe so that you can't find what they believe that's not biblical. So that you'll be looking for, well, you know, what do they believe about? Or if you're talking to a, a Mormon, you'll say, do you believe that Jesus is God? Yeah, we believe Jesus is God. Do you believe that if you receive him into your life, you'll be born again? Yeah, we believe if you receive Jesus in your life, you'll be born again. Do you believe? You'll try anything you can think of to ask them if they believe it, and they'll tell you that they do. But what they won't do is come out and tell you what they believe that's weird. They won't tell you that they believe that God used to be a man and that he ascended to the place of God and that he lives on a planet somewhere in the universe. They got a, a planet close to some star that they call and that he lives there. He's called Father God and he lives there with Mother God and has sex with her to have spiritual babies to populate the earth. That they won't tell you. And you say, well, do you believe Jesus is God? And they'll say, yes, we believe that he's God. And you say, well, so do we. But they don't uniquely believe that Jesus is God. In other words, they believe that when you die, you could have your own planet and several wives, by the way, have sex with them throughout eternity and populate your own planet with spiritual babies. That's what they believe. But they won't tell you that that's what they believe. They don't believe that Jesus is uniquely God. The Bible says in the Old Testament, God said, I am God and there is no one like me. I am God and there is no other like me. The Bible says the Lord our God is one God. Over and over again in the Old Testament, we're told that he is unique and that there is no one like him so that they even deny Jesus. They deny him uniquely as God. They'll say, oh, we believe Jesus created the heavens and the earth, but they believe that you can go create heavens and earth one day. The Jehovah Witnesses, on the other hand, deny the deity of Jesus. And it's interesting. They might even, they might even lie to you about it. They have been taught to stand at the door and tell you when you say, well, do you believe in receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, we believe in receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You believe that Jesus created the heavens and the earth? Yes, we believe Jesus created the heavens and the earth. You believe that he is God? Uh, no. They might even tell you, well, we kind of, well, no, we don't. And then when you begin to look at their scriptures, they've actually changed verses, claiming that they have the authority to be able to change the verses when they don't. And they deny the very deity of Jesus. John chapter one says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Colossians one tells us everything was created by him, for him and through him. Everything was created for him and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so they deny the deity of Jesus. They even in first Corinthians, it says that they will come teaching a different Jesus, someone different. They even deny the Lord. And then it says that their destruction is swift. Verse two, it says, and many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Many will follow it. There'll be large groups. When we think of the groups of false teachings, even within the church, when we think of the cults that are out there that are connected, when, when you even think of Islam, it's got its roots back in Christianity and, Jude and Judaism. All of it has been a break off from it. There would come many who would say that they are Christ's and many who would follow after them. And we've seen it take place. And because of that, the way is, is blasphemed. That is, there's so much confusion that people who are in the world go, I don't know, how do we know? When you tell them I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm a Christian, why don't you come to church with me? They say, how do we know that what you believe is right? Because there's so much confusion out there. The real way is blasphemed. 
Satan effectively makes noise that blocks people from coming into the kingdom of God. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse -verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life, or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.